you don't get people going up to you know the natural wine stand or the you know the local winery stand and saying you know what have you got that tastes like you know goon what have you got in um, a cask yeah <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't have people going up to the artisan baker and you go yeah you got anything that tastes like tip top high five you know? <laughs> and yet with beer it's kind of like not Ooh, <laughs> tell me about this how is it made or oh, what does where's it taste the, like yeah. it's like where's the where's the dumbed down stuff With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt has been bringing you the best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud supporters of this. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it is a pleasure to welcome back again for another episode, as yet untitled, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. How are you? Very well, thank you for asking. Despite the fact that we're still, you know, it's it's nine o'clock in the morning, so uh, I'm sipping a little bit of uh, Italian roast rather than perhaps uh, a... Italian doppler molto. Uh, yeah, and look, I made a flying visit to Melbourne early this week, and I was, it was just too early to uh, try and arrange. It was too early in the week, in the news cycle, to, uh, to to try and catch up. Otherwise, we may have been able to do it of an evening uh, tete a tete. You just did a fly in, fly out, did you? Yeah, no, I was down giving uh, evidence in a trademark thing, so I probably trademark um, just just keeps coming up, doesn't it? It doesn't. It, it is. It, yeah. <laughs> Watch this space. I can't. I just can't help thinking because I did see on the before we get into the news proper uh, that some of our listeners and followers of the Facebook group have been posting um, interesting information when beers come up that pay an homage or directly use you know an image of somebody particularly well known uh, in order to sell beer. And it just it just worries me, Matt. That um, and I know we haven't got it in our in our show notes, but. I just can't help thinking that one of these days, this brewers are just going to get a knock on the door saying, "You got to stop using that image." And again, I refer uh, all of our listeners back to James Omond, um, and we might even see if we can just sort of lift the snippet of James Omond talking about this in our episode two hundred, uh, recorded late last year. If you're taking imagery, so this is coming back to because Matt was talking about uh, copyright and trademarks, so. Um, trademark is when, when you're registering like a name or a logo. Copyright is when someone does the artwork. Um, so just to distinguish between those. So um, with, say, uh, like Hop Nation with Jedi Juice, for example, um, that's um, – it's a, yeah, exactly. And with the, with the Princess Leia. But you do your own artwork. And, and one of the things that I say is if you're going to do this pop culture reference – then go into it with your eyes open that that you might get the cease and desist letter like we were talking about with Cadbury before. Um, so if you're prepared to to discontinue that that line, then all well and good. Go ahead with your eyes open. Um, copyright is an is another matter. If you want to again do this pop culture reference and you want to do um, take a take an image from you know a movie series or whatever. Commission your own artist, get your own artwork done, don't copy. It is very relevant and it's just a matter of time until somebody does get a cease and desist letter. Um, I, I would imagine until it you know, becomes, you know, on, on, until it comes on somebody's radar. We did see the, the Guns and Rosé one in, in the US. Um, and, you know, if you've committed a lot of money to your packaging um, and suddenly you get a cease and desist letter, uh, it, it, it could be quite expensive. 
Well, worse, if, if they not only give a cease and desist, but also say, now, by the way, we're enforcing an audit and we're going, we want a percentage of the profits that you've derived from that particular brand. Uh, and by the way, you have to pay for the, the audit. And the lawyers. Depend, yeah, depending on how many years back you've got to go, I'd imagine that wouldn't be pocket change. Yeah, and look, but and, and is it, there is that element, um, and, and we've seen it a little bit with all of the ABAC um, news as well, that people talk about nanny state and, you know, it's, it's meant to be fun. It, it's meant to be fun, but there are still rules around it. Um, and surely the creativity of business isn't pushing boundaries by going into places that everyone else is too smart or too compliant with laws to go themselves. It's being creative by pushing boundaries in a way that doesn't infringe on those things. Yeah, well, being innovative, but also being original. I would have thought there are so many creative people out there that we could come up with beer names that uh, are puns or homages or, you know, a tribute to something without it, you know, just uh, ripping off a face and sticking it on a label. Yep. Yeah. But if you were going to have to do that, Matt, and let's get this out of the way, and then we could just go straight into the news. <laughs> if if um, you did have a can that had maybe an infringing label on Prof, is that what you're going to ask? Matt, I'd be straight onto the internets, or I'd uh, pick up the phone and dial 1300 852 235 to discuss a more efficient way to get my small batch canning labels done through Rellings Labels and Stickers. Um, who, who sponsored the podcast? I don't know if you know that. They do sponsor the podcast, and I was up doing the Sunshine Coast show, Craft Beer Alley activation up there on the weekend. Um, actually, we might sort of uh, put a pin Listen in that. Listen to you with all your marketing speak. <laughs> Come back to that. Um, you, you didn't, we didn't have a stall. You had an activation. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's right, I didn't have a bar. I had an activation. <laughs> I've been in, in the... Uh, <laughs> Did you meet all your KPIs, Matt? <laughs> Because at, the end, at the end of the day, it's all about the process. We, we had some great synergies between a number of uh, participants in the uh, in, in the craft beer space. Um, we poured some liquid um, that had some uh, consumer-facing, uh, you know. Uh, did you get a bit of brand in hand? <laughs> I did get some brand in hand as we met as, share as we faced the consumer. We did. <laughs> Um, Excellent. But, so yes, where was I going with this? So you had but, a, you had a stand at the Sunshine Coast show. <laughs> I had a stand at the Sunshine. Continue. Coast. See, this that sounds a lot more pedestrian, doesn't um, it? The uh, and a couple of the guys there um, use uh, Rallings and uh, couldn't speak more highly of them. They're listeners to the podcast, so big shout out to big shout out to Chris uh, Christian McGarry, uh, who from your mates, um, your mates, yeah. who, who who is a big listener to the show and uh, you had some very nice things to say about it. Um, but also, yeah, a number of the others, and uh, they, a lot of them you know, learned of Rallings through the podcast. So um, thank, we thank Rallings for their support. There we go. We do. Uh, and to all our other sponsors, to Beer Cartel and to Cryer Malt. And to anyone else who would like to join us as a supporter. Uh, well, we do have uh, – we're, we're in negotiations with some people, so uh, oh, but we, okay. we do limit the number of uh, spots because we don't want this to be – we, we, uh, we, we do too, too, too ad heavy. <laughs> yes, yes. Although hopefully we make the ads engaging, Prof. Um, but oh. Prof, it's not in the show notes. But I, I yeah, we'll um, talk about the craft beer alley um, up at uh, the Sunshine Coast show. So the Sunshine Coast show is at Nambour, which isn't. If you know the Sunshine Coast, you'll know the beautiful beaches. You'll know Josh from Sunshine Coast uh, um, Craft Brewery Tours. Um, where we uh, spent a bit of time earlier in the year, you'll know the sort of sun and the sand and the um, yeah, the, the hinterland. Well, the, this the is produce. between the beach and the hinterland. The Nambour is a little um, industrial town where you know built on sugarcane, I believe. Their local football team was called the Crushers, um, and it, so it's it's it not exactly craft beer central, um, Pete. And uh, the the guys actually the guys from your mates 
um, had ran a little bar there um, for for a time. They were offered a great little space, but it, it just wasn't the sort of place that people came along to drink craft beer. And last year we did a bit of a pop up um, of craft beer alley there. They saw what you and I do at the show, and they said, "Look, we want to get a bit of that into the the, the Sunshine Coast show." So we did it. it yeah, you know, sort of the. It's fair to say that the Sunshine Coast show wasn't entirely behind it because they'd had a couple of activations before. Um, the event manager had seen what we do at the show and thought it might have a, a place there. But craft beer had never really found a home there. But it, it, it took off. You know, there was a bit of interest. This year we made a few changes. But just to see over the last two or three years how open people's minds are to craft beer. We had six breweries there. Um, you know, five independent plus the uh, our good friends at Yamundi, um, and the activations. Uh, sorry, this engagement um, that we had there, but the interest, the knowledge of the brands, the openness. We didn't have people coming up and going, "Oh, mighty, you got four X gold," or "Where's the great Northern stand?" You know, people were really engaged in craft beer, and that's to to me when it's outside of the urban metropolitan craft beer. Um, you know, bubble uh, to, to to get start getting into some of these areas and having people really willing to uh, have have a go um, is is really really exciting and augurs well for you know the, the spread of craft beer. Yeah, and it's funny too, isn't it, that we're in that odd sort of place where I guess you don't you don't get people going up to you know the natural wine stand or the you know the local winery stand and saying you know what have you got that tastes like you know goon what have you got in um, a cask yeah <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't have people going up to the artisan baker and you go yeah you got anything that tastes like tip top high five you know? <laughs> and yet with beer it's kind of like not oh, tell me about this how is it made or oh, what does where's it taste the, like yeah. it's like where's the where's the dumb down stuff yeah and and and, and but that, that's a big change you know we've been doing this will be our seventh year at the Brisbane show um, doing what we do. You know, when the craft brewers didn't see a role for it, um, you know, didn't see a role for spending 10 days there, um, you know, we thought, look, let, let's back ourselves and you know, believe in the future of craft beer. And you know, we, we get more and more people coming up and saying, what have you got that's like this IPA as opposed to, you know, gee, I drink Han Super Dry. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 it, it really does show that we are seeing you know a big um, change you know across the industry, and and it's it, it's a really exciting thing. It is, like you say, the the education, and I think the, you know the the internet, social media, um, things like the the awards, the Royal Queensland Food and Wine Show Beer Awards that for the first time in five years were held earlier this year, that at least gives a little bit of a springboard. It gives a little bit of mainstream media attention. And people, are, I think, are just a, a little bit more aware. And it's not sort of, it's, it's not the big billboard awareness. It's just that slow creep that sort of, oh, yeah, there's 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 other stuff out there other than, you know, what dad drank and, and granddad drank. That's actually um, a good point, Prof. Yeah, like when you're actually living it, it feels like it's going very slowly. But you look back, you know, two years um, or you look back five years and you see that there are actually quantum leaps in the market moving forward. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't have been able to give away, uh, you know, five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to give away something called Pink Mist, um, you know, which is a Belgian-style, you know, farmhouse saison mm. yep. um, with raspberry. You wouldn't have had, um, you know, the, the sours or the, um, you know, the big IPAs and, and that sort of thing. 
So yeah, def- definitely, definitely movement. Speaking of which, we need to move on, Matt. We do. And straight into the headlines. Did it, did it, Making news this week. Uh, we'll start off with um, Shane Gates posted uh, in our Facebook group about the Coopers XPA. Shane says uh, they have announced a master. This is Coopers have announced a master of the Bruniverse competition in which they select the best beer made by a home brewer, then brew it on a large scale and sell it through Dan Murphy's. Seems they are making an effort to appeal to the craft drinker instead of the mainstream. Yes, and again, we're, <laughs> without too shockingly cross-promoting our own uh, stuff, uh, we, had, we had a great chat that uh, got a, quite a response with uh, our good friend Zoe Ottaway from Totem Marketing. Uh, that must be about six months ago, Prof, we talked about Coopers? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's sort of about where, you know, they're, they're not quite craft, they're not quite, they're not big enough to be mainstream, they're not small enough to be craft. Where Who, who are their... Who's their target? Who's their market? Who you know, and how do they grow? And how do they engage? And uh, so we might get Joe to put a link in the show notes to that earlier podcast. Um, I might make Joe do the work. Um, but yeah, and it, it, it was quite interesting because it, it, it's always been something that, on the one hand, Coopers is a venerable old business. It's still family owned. Uh, the sixth generation is increasingly um, involved in the, uh, the 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 business. You know, for, for many of us, our age prof, it was the only non-lager style beer that you could get. And the only alternative in most places to, um, in most states, it was the only alternative to whatever that state's mainstream, you know, pale Australian lager offering was. Yep. And, you know, in particularly uh, uni students in the late 80s, early 90s, it was the rebellion beer. So, you know, if you're a little bit, um, you know, uh, you know, that, that young uni um, lefty type um, disruptor, disruptor. Well, but you know, like, you'd you know, be a disruptor. Now. Yeah, um, yeah. Y- you would drink it because it wasn't the beer that your dad drank, and so that really popularised it and saw uh, a lot of growth. And interestingly, it's gone from that to you know we saw a huge outcry eighteen months ago when you know their very conservative um, uh, positioning, you know, and their support for the Bible Society was misinterpreted by some um, to being anti-gay marriage. A, a sponsorship of, of anti-gay marriage and, uh, yeah. And, and we won't go through that whole ridiculous um, misattribution. Um, but but it, a lot of that was fueled by people seeing them as a fusty old conservative, you know, going from, you know, the darling of the, you know, the, 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 the young uni set to being the antithesis of what that group now now stands for and being seen as very conservative and very um, boring and not moving with the times. But then over the you know over the god twelve or thirteen years that uh, I've been covering Coopers and I've had a number of chats with um, you know Dr. Tim Cooper. Um, I, I think in the very first chat um, I had with him, I asked him, you know, do you see yourself as the third of the big brewers? Or do you see yourself as the leader of the craft brewers? And he was very firmly in the, you know, we are the third, you know, in, in, in the mainstream brewers camp. Um, my understanding, I wasn't party to the conversations, but my party, my understanding is that when the Craft Beer Industry Association, as it was called then, um, was uh, in discussions um, at that stage, Coopers didn't see um, a role. They didn't see themselves as a craft brewery. You know, they didn't want to limit themselves in that way. Um, and they, they, you know, they they brought out that they've tried to innovate. They brought out an IPA that, you know, prof. I think two years was it two or three years ago at Gabs. Yeah, the IPA. Yep. It 
um, fairly missed the mark. Um, and, uh, you know, a number of their other, the, the beers um, were very much Cooper's house beers um, that really didn't find a mark. Um, but, you know, more recently they brought out a summer ale that, uh, you know... Based, the Tropical Ale? The, the Tropical Ale. Yeah, yeah. Based on all of the cues of uh, Stonewood Pacific Ale. And now they brought out an, X, an XPA that, you know, like I, I think is a cracker. Um, and it was certainly getting uh, garnering a lot of interest at on the floor at Gabs. They had a, pretty much just a, a big purple stand, which was just, you know, to, to promote the uh, the XPA. And then a little bit over the other side of, um, it, well, particularly in Melbourne, uh, another stand they had there that was particularly busy was this master of the the Bruniverse, yep. and there was there were always uh, you know groups of people milling around and signing up uh, to enter a beer, uh, which yeah it's it's an interesting way because because I think too that Coopers is uh, whilst we sort of think of them as the third of the the mainstream brewers or or wherever, but also that the success of the the business has really come off the back of their homebrew. Yeah, well, Dr. Tim actually talks about the the, the period um, after he joined the brewery. Uh, I think it was in the recession that we had to have um, in, the, yeah, in the early nineties, when they'd had quite considerable growth through the eighties. That saw the business um, feel that its future was secure. Then there was a big downturn, and in a lot of ways, um, Dr. Tim attributes the homebrew business. You know, because you still want to have your beer, and it was the um, the people turning to homebrew during that period that really um, got the, the the business through that period. Um, and it, it, it I, I got it. I think they've got fifty percent of the homebrew business globally. Um, it, it is a figure that that I've got in my head because they export a lot of their homebrew kits. They pioneered the um, you know the, the homebrew kits. They've got uh, the extract. The extract, yeah, um, mm. and they've they've got business interests in in in, in the US. Um, so yeah, so but again, you know, as the the maker movement has gone on, all grain is much more, um, you know, a, a, a focus for for. Well, the it's business. it's a lot cheaper uh, and it's a lot easier. Home builders. yeah, a lot more accessible and a lot cheaper than what it was uh, back in the day. So again, yeah, yeah, Cooper's hopefully moving with the times. To me, and I, I, I said offline that we probably weren't going to do too much of a deep dive into any of these four stories, but it and is. Yeah, we're going to do it with all of them. Yeah, but it, look, it, it, <laughs> well, we've got a, we've got an hour to fill. Yeah, we got time. Give or take, we we don't want people sort of you know getting to work. Well, I'm thinking and, of Christian McGarry, who who did you say he drives from Brisbane up to the Gold Coast, uh, up to the Sunny Coast. Each day, so so his commute. He he needs he needs uh, content. And and there there was a discussion on the Steal Your Beer podcast, I think, which is one of the ones that we listen to. So another shout out. One if this can become the uh, sort of uh, round robin of shout outs, because <laughs> um, they were talking about uh, you know what they felt was the perfect length for a, a podcast because they don't uh, run. Okay. It, it's a podcast, so it doesn't necessarily run to commercial. You know, we're not bookended by two other programs that people will uh, want to listen to. Um, and it, it sounds like the average commute is about 45 minutes, you know, 40 to 45 minutes according to them, and that, that's a good time to, to listen. Yeah. So anyway, so I'll just finish off Cooper's. Um, okay, go. Okay. There, there probably is a whole discussion because it is, you know, it, it, they, they, ask, they do stand alone in the industry, um, because they do have these uh, different areas. They are trying to innovate, but they also play very much on their um, you know, on, on their traditions 
Um, and it, and it, it's very, very hard for them. But, you know, short answer to Shane, um, the Cooper's XPA is a very good beer. They, they haven't invented anything, but they have certainly adopted a, a style that and done it very, very well. And it, it does point to, to Cooper's getting I, in. I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity yet to sample it. To which other XPA or style of beer or brand would you most closely equate it? Oh, look, it's it, it, it's different. Like, it's got a different profile to uh, Bolters, which I think is probably the gold standard XPA. Or, you know, what, what when people think of an XPA, it's probably um, the touchstone for, for XPA. It's probably... Uh, a little so with bit. that more lifted, lifted kind of nice uh, hop aroma, hop forward mm. in the in the aroma, slightly dry, yeah, yeah, no. nice medium body. Whereas say filter, which again, yeah, uh, trophy winning, but goes more on that. I guess the lighter, uh, lighter side and more in that punchy kind of more tropical yep. Yep. zone. It's it's got a very nice uh, tropical note, but yeah, so it's uh, and and it's a little bit stronger. So no, yeah, very good attempt. And speaking, you you mentioned filter, so I will tease this week's chat um, with Sam Fuss. That's going to be going up tonight as we record this. So last night, as you listen to this podcast, if you listen to it when it downloads, and it could have been any time if you listen to us next week. Uh, She's one of my. She's she's just great people, Sam. I love Sam. It was one of our Live from Gab's podcasts, and it was a really good chat. Um, (laughs) At what point did you catch her at Gab's? Because there was a couple of times there where she was harder work than other times. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, it was a really (laughs) good chat. She's a great support. And and look, uh, Brisbane Gab's, she literally dragged herself off her deathbed. She... um, uh, Sciatic nerve, something like that. Like, done something in her back and and been sent down the street to... uh, a pharmacist who sent her straight to a doctor, um, and doctor said, "Oh, look, I'd rest it for it." She goes, "No, nah, I've got to be on stage with Prof for Craft College." Sorry, and she, <laughs> AMA against medical advice, came and uh, we had to help her onto the stage. But no, no, it was it was a great, great chat. Back. It was uh, early in the afternoon. Great chat, talking about you know what it meant to win the Gypsy Trophy last year, wh- whether the Gypsy Trophy should be called the Gypsy Trophy, um, how it felt going from the Gypsy from winning that trophy last year to not even meddling gold, what it means, what awards mean. Um, and uh, then she also dropped that she had just put a deposit on her very own pots and pans, stainless steel. Um, yeah. So will no longer uh, be eligible for the Gypsy Brewing Award, whatever it's called. That's right. Walkabout, cuckoo. Yeah, actually, what, Luke, um, from our time, um, text, uh, Hobo, sort of mentioned Hobo that, Brewer. you know, it's sort of a... Uh, Does Gypsy have? I don't. I don't I'm, you know, look. You, you've got to really. There, there needs to be some sort of ready reckoner or some website where you can go and find out what this minute, what words are no longer acceptable that were ten minutes uh, ago. Well, well, but language is a constant evolution, Prof. And exactly, it is dynamic. Yeah, yeah. So it is you know, a living I, thing. I, I don't think you can necessarily criticise past usage, but you can only sort of, you know. Consider and look. I, I think if it does cause offence in some quarters, I can understand that offence. Um, and even if it's not used in in, in, in that way, um, you know, we've got a million words that say the same thing. Um, you know, I unfortunately I, I don't think Nomad, which was Luke's um, preferred option, that might yeah. run into trade. I don't think you can actually call it Nomad, given that we've got a Nomad. Not now. Yeah, a well-established in, in brand. Australia. 
a brewery. Hobo Brewing, um, which again has some That's negative connotations, well. but also is, um, so Vagabond, you know, like the happy Vagabond, <laughs> um, has that sort of same, you know, sort of moving around. We're putting um, lipstick on a pig, Matt. <laughs> well, we, we need something that the industry can rally behind. And Vagabond is my, um, you know, Cuckoo is a little bit too. Did um, you say rallies? Oh, rally. <laughs> See what I did there? Hey, listen, uh, speaking of tradition and Coopers, um, Belgian monks forced to sell prize beer online to beat resellers. This was uh, uh, one that you drew my attention to. The Abbey's sales have traditionally been limited to private customers who order by phone before collecting a maximum of two crates in person. But profiteers have been ignoring their ethical values for selling the brew, forcing them to go online to dampen demand on the black market. Did you, did you FOMO? Was this the one you FOMO'd? Yes, yes. No, I sort of, I, I had a bit of a tendency. Quote from Matt Kierkegaard, one of the reasons FOMO beer tickers irritate me. Yeah, look, this is one, on one hand, we love craft brewers for their passion and their lack of compromise. You know, they stand for something, they don't choose the easiest, cheapest way in, in the um, intent for quality. And, you know, like I'm not a religious person, prof, so I don't buy into the religious order, but I absolutely respect the... Um, authenticity of the West Fletcheran monks. Um, yep. And the ethos behind why they do what they do. Behind what they do. They've taken a vow that they adhere to very, very sincerely um, to only sell enough to, you know, they don't sell it commercially, they sell enough um, to fund the day-to-day life of the brewery. Um, they, you know, they, they've got rules in place as part of, you know, they actually take a vow not to sell um, the uh, the beer commercially, um, you know, and when you buy it, you essentially agree, you sign a vow with the monks that you aren't going to resell it, you're buying it for your personal use. For your personal use, yeah. Um, and the, the, the fact that, um, you know, Bucket Boys have managed to get some because somebody who's broken that vow gets it. I just think, you know, and I'm not singling Bucket Boys out, but we, again, in, in the interest of cross-promoting, I will send you to my podcast um, with Jonathan Hepner where I raise this issue. And he, you know, had a weakish sort of defence of doing it. You know, he acknowledged that, you know, they were selling it when they probably shouldn't. But anyway, yeah. I, and I just sort of think there is absolutely no reason for it. This is just about... People, and I'll go out on a limb here, people wanting to be that wanker that posts the West Fletcheran cap on the on their social media to show that, yes, they've had it too. Um, and to, to me, it's just disrespectful. This is the sort of thing that forces the change that the, the monks have been had, you know, had to make. Just respect it, particularly when, if you know anything about beer and if you've got any sense of you know, knowledge about beer and beer history and beer quality, you can get this beer quite legitimately. It's called St. Bernardus 12. The St. Bernardus Brewery made it from 1946 to 1991. They continue to make the same beer, arguably a truer version of the style because they use the original yeast. So if you want to know what the beer tastes like, go buy it legitimately and don't piss off the monks. <laughs> You don't want to piss them sorry, off. Sorry, I, I mean, I, they've got I, I God on their avoid. side. They will bring fire well, and brimstone I, down on your no, skinny I, little FOMO ass. No, I don't accept that they've got God on there. My personal belief system is that they don't have God on their side. But you know, if, if we're going to change the name, you know, if, if, if we're going to sort of respect people's values, um, you know, across a whole range of things that you may not agree with, 
this is another one of those things. Um, you know, res just disrespect the sincerity of their views. Um, because I can't think of an order of monk. You know, I can't respect. Think of more. You know, many people who so diligently adhere to to their views and have really tried to put, um, you know, boundaries around their their, their views. Um, and it's just a bunch of muppets who just don't want to miss out pushing those boundaries. Um, so yeah, well said. Have, have you tried West Flutter and Prof? I have did, not. I, did I bring you a bottle home when I got some in? Back you, when, yes, you did. And you gave it to somebody. I gave you a bottle and you gave no. it to somebody else. No, I never actually got it. Oh, didn't you? No, you left it somewhere and by the time I got there, I don't know where it went. Oh, no. It was with, it was with a glass pack too, I think. It was. Yeah. Oh, no. okay. Never mind. That's I'm all right. Sorry we'll about that. Because, yeah, uh, that's, no, it wasn't your fault. I, I've had one bottle. I bought a six-pack. Um, I brought a six-pack you know, that was uh, when the monks legitimately released it to buy for a new roof to the... And, and this is... And yeah, you were there. At the, you were there at the monastery, weren't you? you no, were, no, no, no. I didn't. No, I didn't go to the monastery. It was they. They released a limited number of packs to fund the new roof. So, so this is how sincerely they hold it. The place is falling down, and they only sold an extra thing just to give themselves a new roof, so they didn't get water in their, you know, dripping into their beds, prof. Um, and I was in uh, Rome, and I saw it. Uh, I can't remember the name of the cafe. Um, it was one of the famous Italian craft brewers um, cafes and I bought it. It cost me 90 euros. Um, so I was gouged, but I bought it because it was legitimately available. I gave James Davidson a bottle and a glass, I believe. And I had a bottle and a glass for you and you didn't get yours. I had one bottle and I think I gave one or two others away. So I milled it back legitimately, but I've had one bottle in my life. There you go. One beer that I don't know that you'd be queuing up to get, but um, the share sale this week, uh, non-alcoholic sober to boost their expansion plans. A share sale and a win at an international entrepreneurs competition have boosted the Aboriginal-owned non-alcoholic craft beer company Sober's expansion plans. The owners of Gold Coast Bay Sober have sold 8% of the business in a share sale to private investors, raising $80,000 so far, which values the business at $1 million. Yeah. So, Sober, look, this is one that I've been that has been brought to my attention a number of times, Prof. Um, people sort of saying we, you we write had, about these guys. Yeah, we've, we've had this story on our board a couple of times and have decided that apart from the fact that there's one particular element of it, there's there's not really a, not a lot that's new, newsworthy. Look, every time I've... I, look, I, I didn't want to write about it without having tried it. Um, every time I've tried to buy some online, um, they've been out of stock. So... And knowing a little bit of the background to it, it was being brewed at a Gold Coast, what I understand has been described as a Gold Coast brew for you that also these days is a craft brewery. So it's, it's, it's one of those places that um, home brewers used to be able to go in, mix their extracts, make, you know, essentially Cooper's homebrew um, um, and save on the excise and bottle it and take it home. Um, good luck to, to any business that's, that's running that model. You know, it, it's serving a need. But in terms of making non-alcoholic beer, I know that there are a whole range of issues um, in, in making alcohol-free beer. And this article from... It's, it's not as easy as you would think. 
No, well, because beer, you, beer wants to be alcoholic. Beer it, wants to be goes, alcoholic. Yeah, let me get it. Let me get it. <laughs> and there's a whole range of technical challenges in making alcohol-free beer. And Claire um, Burnett, our new uh, journalist, you know, covered them off really, really well. Um, talking about, you know, it referments. Um, it, it also has a very short shelf life because it spoils. It needs to be refrigerated. And I just my. Um, value judgment was that a um, small extract brewery on the um, Gold Coast that caters primarily to home, you know, home brewers wanting or, to, to or, go there. Or Bucks, Bucks groups who want to go Bucks in and make, a, want to make in a, a beer. A labelled, a labelled, you know, six cases. Yep. Probably didn't have the, 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 the technical chops to pull off a commercially available beer that was being sent around the country. Um, and... and I'll be honest, I hadn't looked into it. I parked it, hadn't looked into it because I wasn't able to um, give it the attention that I felt that it deserved. Um, and I'll just sort of refer everybody again, Brewbound Podcast, which is another podcast that we f- closely follow. This week talked um, to uh, a brewer by the name of um, Bill Schaffelt, um, who... Uh, himself went sober and saw an opportunity in brewing a fully fermented beer under 0.5%. Uh, and he talks about the challenges that he went through trying to make exactly this type of beer. And this was a guy that has a pretty well-resourced brewery um, and has put a lot of uh, research into it. But and pretty legitimate brewing chops. Like, knows, pretty, yeah. you know, knows, knows the caper. And, yeah. and if, he's, if he says it's bloody hard to do, then you can take it to the bank that it's bloody hard to do. And it's got a very short shelf life because it doesn't have alcohol in and you have to pasteurise. So, yeah, so, so the, the background to the um, sober one, as much as we saw value in it, um, I wanted to um, find out a little bit more about it. So, and in, in this story, it was actually about their, they've taken some investment. We cover investment stories. Um, so this was more an investment story and then talking about some of the challenges that they faced as opposed to the beer themselves. Because for me, the question that I still have, um, having looked at you know, Heineken Zero and some of the other um, Zero beers, they're made either by an arrested technique where the yeast um, doesn't fully ferment uh, or, or um, it goes through a reverse osmosis or a variety of other techniques where you have to add flavoring back in because if you take something out of beer prof you have to add something back in to make it taste like what people expect a, a beer to taste yeah because otherwise be. otherwise it's just a soft drink it, and, and it's just a soft soft drink and if you're promoting something as being healthy one of the reasons drinks a bit some drinks are being marketed as healthy is because they don't have sugars in they don't have carbs in um and you know so people who are very conscious about having a low carb diet um, and my, my guess would be that if you take an alcohol out of a to make a non-alcoholic beer, you've got to be replacing it with either and or uh, carbs, sugar. Yep. And and if you're not fully fermenting out the carbs, then there is going to be sugar. Or if your mashing technique leaves some carbs in there, so there's not fermentable sugars in there, it's going to have a sweeter mouthfeel, and it's it's going to have you know it's, it's more of a malt syrup, which you know it, it, it's a little bit like you know when you've um, build the, something the beer, the beer might actually be better for you. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's, it's certainly not, the alcohol's not there to harm you, but there may be other things that people want to avoid. You know, in, when people put diet on something, you know, they take out the sugar, add in the fat. Um, you, or they yeah. take out the fat, add in the sugar. 
Um, and it, I'll be honest, I just haven't had the chance to look into this. And to be honest, I don't think the pickled pig necessarily has the um, you know lab requirements to analyse some of these things to provide the information. So, but anyway, look, it's a really interesting business story about um, a business that has found an interesting marketing angle. Um, has got expansion plans on the back of investment and some of these other issues we will dig into a little bit uh, more ourselves um, once but, yeah but if you're promoting yourself and like presumably the um, the win that they had at the entrepreneurs competition would be based on uh, how the how the business has grown yes and, and, and primarily based business on the angle um, exactly. yeah yeah, and, and the fact that it's Aboriginal owned—that's, I guess, that's their—that's what they're hanging their their chops on. There, there, there's a marketing angle on that as well. Yeah, um, none and, of which is a brewing st- like is inherently a brewing story, um, which you know, but, but it's, it's it's beer industry news, which is yeah. How we've I, I, it. I must admit, I had and look, presumably you're up against kombucha in terms of you know a non-alcoholic, healthful or you know part of a healthy lifestyle, blah blah blah. Um, now, kombucha, I know, you know, costs you 50 cents a litre to make and you can sell it for $8 a litre. So why wouldn't you be making kombucha if you could? Um, the, the thing that I brought up when the Sobar story, and we should point out S-O-B-A-H yep. is, the, is the name. Uh, and in whatever episode we did, I, I did look into uh, why it was called that and, and, and its background and using native oh, ingredients. Oh, lovely story behind it, you know, as a, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce his people, uh, you know, his, his um, tribe. Um it's Gamilaroy, I think. Um, the, the, the founder is a Gamilaroy man, and please do correct me if I if, if I'm pronouncing it wrongly. Um, and he, he enjoyed a beer, but he was also promoting, um, you know, healthy lifestyles amongst uh, Indigenous people, and he saw that there was a contra- inherent contradiction in that. So it's it's got a really nice story behind behind the business. My concern, Matt, was that. For a non-alcoholic beer, I remember looking it up on the website. It was around the ninety dollars a case, and that's yeah. You know, uh, so um, I would have thought that would be, beer, um, be because you're making it at such small um, quantities, um, and if you're running a business off it, do you want to pay salaries off the back of that? Um, you know, you, you've got so less. yeah. So no longer being brewed at it's it's it's, it's not being brewed at the, the pickled pig it's being brewed at tribe um, these days so they can certainly get scale hopefully we'll see the price come down yeah no, it'll be interesting to see and we shall watch with interest but yeah not $90 for a carton of um, alcohol free beer you really want to be you, like you're really invested in the idea behind it and really want a no alcohol um, fruit flavoured beer as opposed to uh, kombucha, yeah. which uh, you can probably pick up quite a bit cheaper. I'd be interested if we do have any listeners uh, or readers to the site who perhaps are nutritionalists who could look at the difference between taking the alcohol out and the carbs and sugar levels that are left behind. And I'd love to find out more about kombucha. That's another thing that's on my must-research list to find out what the, you know, um, you know the, the carbs and you know the, the nutrition panel on a bottle of kombucha says on an alcohol-free kombucha says whether there is sugar added or those sorts of things because there is a lot of discussion about the healthiness of the industry um, and that's the focus and on one hand we see fair and this is one of the things I think fair quite fairly targets is that when you market some aspects of beer as being healthier than others um, I, I have a problem beer is something that you respect you don't approach it as a health drink um, 
just the same as yeah. I don't think that a Diet Coke that has no sugar in it is a health drink either because it does have a whole range of other conditions, your palate in other ways that are very uh, unhealthy. Exactly. Something that's very healthy, Matt, is going around and visiting lots of breweries, but not having to drive. And uh, Hop On Hop Off Brewery Tour service launches in Sydney. Sydney's Inner West Brewery Association has teamed up with Dave's Travel Group to launch a Hop On Hop Off bus tour to promote beer tourism in the area. Yeah, look, a great idea. Now, it's interesting, and I contrast this, and I'll get Joe to add this into the show notes. Um, Western Australia, um, Ross Lewis wrote a story about a government sub- subsidised or yeah, funded... Ross from, from the SIP, good from friend SIP, of the program. Um, and regular contributor um, around the Swan Valley, which was feeling the pinch a little bit um, in a tourist angle. But the Western Australian government pulled back that support um, after the trial uh, because it sounds like... Um, the, the, the government has a fairly substantial um, debt issue, um, and this was one of the things that went. Um, so we celebrated that, and uh, it's great to see that uh, Dave's Travel Group um, has running a trial on Sundays only, but I think it's between midday and 9 o'clock on a Sunday, where for a couple of bucks a leg you can, so cheaper than an Uber essentially, you can uh, do a bit of a circle um, through the Inner West breweries. Uh, really great initiative. Yeah, we did it. Uh, and, and it's in the funny, mate. It was only a year and a half ago that yourself, myself and James Atkinson, James Atkinson did the did the walking tour of, of Marrickville, pretty much. We, we Ubered to the first port of call, which I think uh, memory serves was Batch. We did Batch, we did Source, we did Tribe or, or Stockade. Wildflower. Um, while it was when it was just a big empty warehouse, um, where was the other one you said? Wildflower. Wildflower and Barn. and Grifter. And Grifter, yep. Now there's a few more that have added into the the region since then, but the, uh, look, and Filter yeah. will be going in there soon too, Prof. And Filter will be there too, because <laughs> there's always room for one more. Um, so yeah, so the service will be trialled for three months, and that kicks off on the 23rd of June, which is this weekend. I, I wonder, this, Prof. This Sunday. This Sunday, I wonder if we can, um, well, this, or last or Sunday, last Sunday or, if you're listening or, or a couple of months ago, if, if, you, if you discover this podcast. <laughs> Depending on and, when you get around to it. <laughs> and you want to go back in time. Check, check, check local guides for <laughs> check details. guides, because it may well have finished the trial and it didn't continue. <laughs> um, <laughs> such is the non-newsworthy, uh, the, the non-news aspect of having a news podcast. But Prof, I wonder if um, we might be able to find some time to get down to Sydney, maybe even... Um, you know, pay, uh, buy a ticket, a round trip, and uh, record from the back of it. Um, as do you have to pay a couple of dollars every time it moves on to the next brewery, though? Oh, or can look, we get, I, like... I'm sure if we're promoting it, we can negotiate <laughs> some uh, contra. I reckon rates. if they were paying paying punters, though, we'd be we'd be shifted. We got no look. We'll, you know, just can you just record on this street corner here for half an hour? We'll come back, we'll well, drop these people off, and come may, back. Maybe, but I was just thinking, you know, we can sort of sit down, sit down the back of the bus, and you know, rec- record the podcast. And uh, get a couple of brewers to jump on in between the stops. We could do that. So might, might let's, be a way. Let's, let's make that happen. That'd be fun. Let's see if anyone from Dave's travel group listens to us and they can sort of say, hey, great idea, guys. We're right behind you. Make it happen. Uh, well, that's pretty much all. Oh, hang on, Dick. Uh, just in my ear. I'm just getting <laughs> a brew dog update. Uh, popping through, popping up on my Twitter feed from uh, uh, James I, I, Watt. I, I, thought, brew dog James. <laughs> I thought we'd managed to have a... Uh, um, <laughs> the Scottish brewery. No, because because just as you don't ne- never, I never the Scottish play the Scottish brewery, <laughs> um, the, the Scottish brewery free podcast. Uh, last year we made a beer to highlight the gender pay gap. Then this guy sued us. 
said James Watt. So, yeah, man sues Brewdog after being refused pink beer for girls. Oh, look, mate, I, I actually didn't want to give this um, uh, flog a- any airtime. No, but I wanted to give this a run because this is your opportunity to side with the Scottish brewery. Yeah, look, and absolutely. I mean, I, I again, I, like, there was quite a kerfuffle. They brought, you know, in, in, in typical Brewdog way, they... Um, Found a way to create some headlines, um, and and they're masters at it. And you can't, and I, you know, I never criticise them for their beer um, or their um, PR savvy. It's just when they are so guilty of shocking overreach. Um, and and we did see it. You know, they they reinvented cask beer this week um, as well. And I didn't want to talk about that, but you know, th- this was a case they wanted to highlight. You know, a, a politically topical issue. They brewed a beer. Um, for women, they put in a pink bottle, um, and they were actually playing. Well, I felt I I got where they were coming from, um, and I felt because it was a play on words. It was it was punk IPA became pink IPA. Yeah, yeah, and and, and they weren't saying that you know highlight the gender pay gap or anything like that. Yeah, if, and it was if you, if you believe in those sorts of things. And my understanding is they brewed a beer that was actually for everybody. They didn't dumb it down. They didn't you know make it a certain way for because they said women don't have good taste. They just <laughs> brewed what I understand was a crackingly good IPA and then put some put of this pink label nonsense, you know, some of, some of the patronizing language around it to highlight that there is often patronizing language, uh, you know, and women are talked down to and, you know, all things that we actually should be encouraging. And I thought that the, um, you know, because people <laughs> such as myself like to go off a brew dog, they didn't <laughs> stop and question. Um, so why, so why did this vlog, why is he suing, Brutal. Well, because he he felt that it was discriminatory because he had to identify with a woman. I, look, to, I'll, I'll be honest, Prof. I didn't even read it um, because it was just one of those things. I just felt it was a bloke trying to make a a point um, that missed the point of the original beer, and you know, he flog. Um, he he goes in the flog folder, um, and I just didn't want to talk about it, and I didn't want to talk about it on the uh, the update. But it, as you say, it gives me a chance to say something good about Brewdog. There you go. And beautifully done. Which leads us nicely into the mailbag. Now, don't forget, folks, uh, listeners, dear loyal supporters, you can review us on iTunes. And um, please do review us on iTunes. Just take. Actually, we, we, we would rather you gave us a couple of dollars each month. Um, we don't have Patreon because of the issues around Patreon, but you can jump on. Uh, um, follow the links and just you know give us a one-off donation or you know even a couple of bucks a month just to help us. It, it'll give us. We may need to come up with some money for the hop on hop hop off uh, bus tours in Sydney. You will cover the cost of the of our bus fare. That's it. That's that that sort of thing. That's all we ask for. Uh, but anyway, so review us on iTunes or you can send us an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week and the letter of the week. Well, all all writers, all contributors, and it can be uh, email, it can be iTunes, or it can be on our Facebook group or the uh, individual stories that we publish on Australian Brews News website. But all letter writers will receive a Brews News bottle opener and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack, thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. And this week, Matt, a couple of letters uh, from Tom Madden uh, via email, which is almost becoming old school now, isn't it? Email? Email. Yeah. Yeah, it's all, you know, DM me, PM me. Actually, I'd love to get a letter. I would actually love someone to, you know, take I reckon you could, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, foreshadow, but I reckon if you send us a snail mail, handwritten letter, you, you'd, you'd get a six pack. Guaranteed. Uh, P.O. Box 63, Red Hill, Queensland, 4059. There we go. 
Um, Tom Madden says... It could even be a postcard. Yeah, it could be a postcard. Write something on the back of a, a coaster, a beer coaster. Hi, Matt and Prof. I'm a new listener to your podcast and I'm loving the fresh content the team is releasing as well as having such a huge backlog of content to catch up on. If you only just joined us, Tom, uh, strap yourself <laughs> in, champ, because there's a fair bit to get through. Something you mentioned in last week's Radio Brews News, it's just not fair, about the ownership of the market compared to jobs created for independent versus non-independent brewers got me thinking. As a new listener, apologise if you've covered the topic before, but I was wondering what you thought about the growth of independent breweries in regards to market share and whether this is an accurate guide showing the growth in craft beer generally. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Mm. Um, what, what do you think, Matt? How often does the industry refer to the market share of craft beer in place of their independent status? Yep. Um, again, Matt, this is the cross-pollination the, the cross episode. Go back and listen to my chat with Jamie Cook where we go in and they've got the best statistics that you'll see because they've worked with the ATO and the ATO has separated out um, the volumes of total alcohol produced as beer produced by independent brewers versus non-independent brewers. Um, so I think it was 5.9% offhand of all beer produced um, by volume um, is made by independent brewers, 10% by value. Um, and that's, I, I, look, I, I think better than IRI data, better than anything else, that is the total beer produced um, as alcohol. And the ATO is, as you know, Prof, very rigorous about measuring how much, because it, every um, litre of alcohol produced is a dollar for them, or 75 or more. So yeah, so, so that is the best statistic. And it also highlighted um, the, the brands that have been um, exited because they've been taken over. Yeah, so the, the non-independent uh, figures weren't weren't counted. We still had growth. And just quickly, Matt, I'll sneak one in because uh, Richard Benny, who's the brewer out at uh, the champion Australian small brewery, Blackman's Brewery down at Torquay, uh, sent me a picture yesterday of um, a Bright Tank Brewing Co. Uh, this is from their Instagram page. So I don't, I don't know where Bright Tank. B-R-I-T-E? B-R-I-G-H-T. No, it's oh, Bright Tank Brewing Co. Oh, Bright Co. Tank. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's English because the the particular beer that he sent me a picture of is uh, the big red Smeghead Double IPA uh, with a in the very much uh, an homage, shall we say, to uh, for those who know the show Red Dwarf. Oh, so so it's uh, called back it's in the eighties called... nineties Bright Tank Brewing Co. Yep. Okay, and it's is... Western Australia, so it is. So I thought it was oh, B-R-I-T-E, okay. Bright Tank, and it's a bit of a graffitied um, looking. Uh, logo is that the one? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, street street art. Matthew Moore and Gemma Sampson, um, East Perth. I had a very quick um, visit there when I was over a couple of weeks ago, and I might even get a chance next week when I'm there for um, the uh, West Australian yeah. Beer Awards. Yeah, because yeah. I just I, uh, Richard sent it to me uh, with the question, um, you know, the show Red Dwarf. Yeah, uh, I reckon these folks. Do you reckon these folks know what Smeg is referring to? Ha ha. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, look, I'm a massive Smeghead. I'm a boys from the Dwarf posse, um, big Red Dwarf fan. And so I saw that and I thought, oh, yeah, it's, you know, Crichton is, or Lister often refers to people as, as Smegheads. Um, Which is what? I'm not a Red Dwarf fan. Uh, a, a Smeghead would be, a, um, you know, a flog, a dickhead, you know, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't, don't be a, a nong kind of thing. So, so, so what's this all apropos of, Prof? Uh, well, uh, uh, trademark, copyright, but also using words that perhaps, you know, some people might look at and go, oh, I don't know if I'd want to buy that beer because they might not get the reference. Ah, right. Yeah. So there we go. 
So I just thought, uh, thank you, Richard, for sending that through. Uh, Matt, do you want to take the last one from uh, Scott John on email? Because it is appropriate, because we've just been talking about non-alcoholic beer, and he sent us uh, an email to uh, identify himself. <laughs> he, he wasn't quite sure how <laughs> iTunes I'm made Scott John, totty, a.k.a. Totty 2020. Um, uh, <laughs> I really don't understand how iTunes came up with the usernames. <laughs> And as requested on your 6th June podcast, my address for... I won't give him the yeah, address. But don't we, read the address we, Well, we have sent a bar blade to you. Uh, while I'm emailing you, though, I thought I would uh, also raise an aspect about non-alcoholic beers, which I don't think has been mentioned in some of your recent podcasts discussing the subject. My wife enjoys a beer as well, and during her recent pregnancy, wanted to be able to drink a non-alcoholic beer with me while I enjoyed a craft beer. And now, while breastfeeding, the same consideration applies. Um, however, finding a decent tasting non-alcoholic beer proved to be a challenge and there is still some uncertainty around how much alcohol is in alcohol-free beer. Is it 0% or 0.5% or potentially slightly more? Um, just on that, legally, it can be called alcohol-free beer if it's below 0.5%. Yeah, um, point, yeah 0.5% or below Yeah, and, and is, my is underst- in, in Australia. I don't know if that's... Yeah, and, and, and my understanding is that if you've got orange juice in your fridge that's you know, getting close to the use-by date and has that slight tang to it, it could have that level of, um, you know, it, it, it would alcohol potentially have a detectable... Fermentation, yeah. 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 Um, even this small amount can be a consideration for expecting mothers as the guidelines advise no alcohol consumption during pregnancy. Uh, brackets, although I believe some studies indicate very small alcohol consumption during pregnancy does not appear to have adverse effects. Um, it is. It just crossed my mind that this is another potential market uh, for well-made and flavourful non-alcoholic craft beers, as I know my wife has certainly missed sharing a craft beer with me over the last nine months. Thanks a month for pro- providing such an informative and entertaining podcast. Thank you. Thank you no, for thank you, thinking Scott, that, for saying so. <laughs> that we are both those things. Um, I don't see it myself, but anyway. <laughs> so um, Sometimes we get it right, though. Sometimes we do get it right, just like the broken clock. Um, but yeah, Prof, I, I had a bit of a weigh-in on, on Facebook because, again, this is one of those things that can be really, really hard depending on your approach. And, you know, if, if you've grown up in a different vintage and you are looking for different things and, you know, we always saw beer as being, you know, I grew up in a time when beer was just a liquid refreshment. It was lager, it was bland, it was certain price and it was designed to get you there. Um, you know, it wasn't really about nuance. It wasn't about flavor. It wasn't about um, occasion, except the occasion was to get drunk. Um, and so, you know, we thoroughly embraced the craft beer movement uh, because it provided, you know, flavor as well as that slightly um, mood-altering uh, impact that alcohol can have without necessarily becoming, you know, a blithering um, mess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Gently and, altering your state of consciousness. It, yeah, responsibly. Um, yeah. But... It, 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 you get it. There's a great pleasure that I get from that first beer, not just because of the flavour, just that you know, gentle alcohol um, change that, that that comes through. And and as I think I've said on the podcast before, some anthropologists believe that is hardwired into us as a survival mechanism that goes back to our monkey ancestors ten million years ago. But um, the, the my, my point is so for me if i don't want alcohol if i don't want that as much as i love the flavor of beer i will actually drink something else um you know like 
water um, if, if I want a drink um, that doesn't have alcohol if in it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm the same. But I can understand there are a whole lot of people who, yeah, and, and if I was a pregnant lady, which I have no experience in, that would be my take as well because, um, I, I, you know, the, the, the process for making alcohol-free beer um, does have other um, impacts uh, on, on, on what's in the beer that I would just have see it as empty calories or things that I would rather have something that didn't provide those empty calories. I take on the calories of beer um, through alcohol because alcohol is the thing that I want. Um, but again, it, there was a really interesting discussion on the Facebook group and now on the podcast. So listeners, let us know, you know what you think the usage case is for alcohol-free beer, whether it does cross your mind that you can't take the alcohol out without leaving something in there that perhaps you know results in empty calories um, un- unless the flavour of, of the craft beer is the value that you're seeking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, do, do you drink any zero-alcohol beers, Prof? I haven't. I've, um, I bought myself, because uh, I needed to take some for uh, tasting, so I've, I've got some Weinstefan. Yep. Uh, but I haven't, actually, I haven't actually tried it yet. Um, Oktoberfest in Brisbane, they always have some. And, yeah, the, the, the Germans do make some very, very good um, approximations of... Well, certainly their gluten-free beers are, are the closest to, a, you know, the, the, the same beer as what I'm used to, as, as what, I've, what I've tried. Yeah, but, yeah, no, but in terms of alcohol-free beer, I still find them, they've just got that little bit of extra body or sweetness or something, or, and sometimes they have a slightly metallic or chemically, chemical um, character um, that mm. makes it very, very hard. And, and again, going back to that, uh, um, is it Bill Sheffield? Uh, that I referred to in the Brewbound. Yes. Um, there you go, Bill Sheffield. Um, he talked about that, you know, it's very, very hard to... He does an arrested fermentation technique, if I'm remembering correctly, because he said that any of the um, evaporation techniques that um, cook the beer, um, even under a vacuum, which lowers the boiling point for, for the alcohol or the, 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 the flash point for um, the, the alcohol has some impacts on the beer. But then interestingly enough, he still flash pasteurises the beer um, as, as a compromise. So, um, yeah, anyway, listeners, let us know what your usage case is, whether you've had a good experience with craft beer, whether alcohol is something that you know, is, is a part of your beer experience. Yeah, with alcohol-free craft beer, Matt, man. Oh, no, but, uh, yeah, so alcohol-free craft beer or alcohol even the, the mainstream beers, if you've tried Heineken Zero, Um whether you think that you know that or they Carlton are zero. approximations or Carlton Zero, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, or sober, or so exactly, or sober, um, yeah. So that's it. And on that note, uh, thank you very much to Crime Malt. Thank you to Rellings Labels and Stickers, and to Beer Cartel, and to all those who have uh, supported us and sponsored us and uh, helped us along the way over all these many years. Thank you very much again to you, Matt. Thank you, Prof. And thank you most of all to you, our listeners. Don't forget to jump on to the website. Uh, look at our back catalogue. There's there's a ton of content out this week uh, over the last couple of weeks that you may not have been able to catch up with uh, based on all it, the... It, it's, let us know, Brewers. Did, actually, just, just to sort of delay this um, and tick over the hour mark when we were doing so well. Um, brewers, let us know... Uh, sorry, not Brewers. Let us know, listeners. Um, we, we have put a flood of content with the um, Good Beer Week uh, Trade Hub and then all of the content that we've created at Gab's. 
my approach to that was, look, it doesn't matter if we put out five podcasts in a week because we'll still have the regular programs that you can listen to. And then because of the way um, our listeners tell us they listen to it, you know, if they do have time, if they've got a particularly long uh, um, commute commute, or if they've got some chores that they're doing, Train travel. they can yep. go back and, and, and listen to these things because it is time shifting. Um, but let us know if there, there is a bit of anxiety. You know, sometimes you sort of see all of these unlistened to podcasts and if it creates anxiety and you prefer us that we didn't, let us know. These are all things that we're winging it as we go and learning as we go ahead. <clears throat> Well, can't help thinking you just overthought that just a little bit, Matt. But anyway. What do you mean? No, thank I you very mean. much. It's time to go. Uh, thank you very much to, again to all our sponsors and to you, our listeners. Catch up with us on Australian Brews News, the podcast, um, the website, the podcast. Sorry, I'm just going to wait again. Oh, did, 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 did you see the new... Let's add another 15 minutes. What? What, what did, now? Did you see... Cause, well, there was quite a discussion about the logos on the uh, on the Facebook page. Did you see the uh, Radio Brews News Live one that went wild that went uh, wild this week? No. Did you see the? Oh. No. Listeners, tell us what you think no. of the Radio Brews News Live uh, logo. It'll be on the on the Australian Brews News page on Facebook, Prof. All oh, right. Oh, so it looks like a Sputnik. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, but it's one of those funny things because I'd come up with a. Um, I, I mean, I had a concept for it, and I had a vision of a. Um, you know, one of those outside broadcast vans with a little yeah, yeah um, satellite dish. Yeah, with, with the with the beer on, on the side and the little satellite dish on top. But it was pointed out to me that that might be sort of old man um, concept of live <laughs> broadcast. Whereas a satellite, you know, they, they've been using satellites since at least the late nineteen sixties. Yes, that's good. Now I like that. That's a little a little Sputnik. Yeah. But anyway, that's all for episode two hundred and twenty-four. That's it for now, and we'll catch you all again next week. Drink. Fresh drink local. And we're out. And we would like to thank our sponsors, including Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging, for making this show possible. Even if you have an established label supplier, have a chat with Rallings Labels Stickers and Packaging and see how their flexibility can make things easier for your brewery. Call Rallings on 1300 852 235. If you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out by sponsoring the show, either a one-off or monthly donation, just to cover the costs of us producing it. You can review us on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service and help other people to find the show. Or you can email us at producer at brewsnews.com.au to share your thoughts. All correspondents will receive a Brews News bottle opener and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack. Thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, who sponsor our Letter of the Week.